welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Open the heart of our understanding to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, I'm going to do something today that I don't normally do. We're going to have a lot of scriptures up on the big screen. I normally make you look them up in your, in your word. Um, but we've got so many of them we're going to look at today. I've been putting them up on the screen. But let me ask you a question. Could it be, and I'm going to ask you to listen closely. Could it be that there is something in your life that is so sacred And so valuable that Almighty God put special guidelines and protection around it. And then promised that when you walk according to those guidelines, He will bless you beyond what you could imagine and He will rebuke the enemy so that the enemy cannot steal, kill, and destroy. But also that if you don't follow those guidelines that you bring a curse on yourself and open a doorway to the enemy. We're going to look at that question today. Is it possible there's something like that in your life? We're going to look at that. And and we're going to introduce it by looking at a story out of the book of Joshua chapter 7. Let me share it with you. The children of Israel had been camped on the edge of the Jordan River. The second generation, it's the second generation now, that have come out of Egypt. The first generation, all of them except Joshua and Caleb and Moses, uh, Joshua and Caleb rather, all of them except Joshua and Caleb had passed away in the wilderness. Now it's Joshua leading the children of Israel. And it's the second generation. It's the children and grandchildren of those that came out of Egypt. They're about to cross in to the promised land. They crossed the Jordan River on dry ground just as their parents had crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. And the first thing they face is this ancient city that has a mighty fortress of walls around it. And that, that top left picture, you're looking at the double wall that Jericho had. That's what the wall was built like. It had an initial wall on the outside and then this embankment and then a second wall. And then if you look at the picture and the man standing beside that wall, the wall he is standing beside is actual some of the actual wall of Jericho that is still standing. And you can see how much taller the wall is than, than him. And he's a six foot man. They're facing this 
ancient city with a double wall like that. And God gives them a miraculous victory. God's mighty hand works for them and crushes that wall and makes it possible for the armies of Israel to go in and capture the city and take the city. What an incredible victory. God's mighty hand for them. And, and great confidence comes in the heart of the children of Israel. That, wow, we can take the land God promised to us. We can be victorious. And so with that confidence, they're going to face their second battle. A few miles from there is a small community called Ai, or Ai. Many people know it as Ai. And it's such a a small community. Joshua sends out a recon team. They come back and they go, you know what, Joshua, it's a really small, small community. We don't need to send the whole army there. And so Joshua just sends 3,000 of his military there. And they turn and run. And in their fleeing before their enemy, 36 of the Israelis are killed. And they come back and they tell the story and Joshua is heartbroken and he falls on his face before Almighty God weeping. The elders of Israel join him and they go and they kneel before the Ark of the Covenant on their face before God weeping and going, God, how could this happen? How could we have such a great victory at the huge city of Jericho And go to this small community and run in fear. This is going to embolden our enemies. God, what's happened? And in Joshua chapter 7, God, as, as Joshua is waiting on God all day long. And then clarity comes. And Almighty God says these words to him. Get up. Why are you laying on your face? Israel has sinned and partaken of the accursed thing. Now, now what does that mean? Well, in the, in the Hebrew... The Hebrew word there that's translated in English, accursed thing, could also be translated as under the ban. They have partaken of that which is under the ban. Another way it could be translated is they have partaken of the devoted thing. In other words, there was something that had been devoted to God alone. And it was banned from being used as something common. It was not to be used for common use. And when they, part, when they partook of it, they brought a curse, not only on themselves, but on the whole nation of Israel. Well, what is he talking about? Well, to grasp the concept of it, you have to understand what God had said to Joshua and the instructions that Joshua gave 
to the nation of Israel before they ever went to battle at Jericho. And these were the instructions. He said, now listen, God's going to give us the victory at Jericho. We're going to win this victory. But when we do, and when you go in and you conquer the city, whatever you do, do not partake of the accursed thing. Because if you do, you will bring a curse on yourself and on this nation. Those were the instructions before they ever went to battle at Jericho. What were they talking about? Listen closely. God has set Jericho as the first fruits of the promised land. That was going to be the first city that they would win the victory of. And they were not to touch any of the spoil. They were not to touch any of the spoil of that victory. They were not to take any of the gold or silver, not not of the fabric. They weren't to take a shoe. They weren't to take a teaspoon. They were not to touch any of the spoil of that city It was all to go into the treasury of Almighty God. In other words, listen closely. Jericho was the tithe city. Now all the other cities that they would conquer, they could share the spoil. But not Jericho. And one of the military men took some of the silver and some of the gold and he saw those beautiful Babylonian garments and he took those and he hid them with his stuff. And this is what God, go to the next slide for him, this is what God said to them. Look at this. Would you read it with me please, everyone together? Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. They have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore, unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up. Sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there's an accursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Wow. It's a powerful word from God. You have touched my tithe. And you have put my tithe among your stuff. And because you've done that, you can't stand before your enemies. And I will not be with you. I'm not going to be blessing you unless you take my tithe out from among your stuff and put it back among my treasury. That is a powerful statement from God. Because you see towards, listen. God has financial principles of his kingdom just the same as any other kingdom. 
God has financial principles of his kingdom. And if you're going to live victoriously in the kingdom of God, you've got to follow God's principles of finance. And this is right at the beginning. God is about to establish his kingdom on earth in the nation of Israel. And he is saying to them, if you're going to be my nation, if you're going to be my blessed nation, then you're going to have to follow my financial principles because that is what is going to make it work well for you. Look at what I'm talking about. Please go to the next slide for me. In Proverbs chapter 3, God gives these promises. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. He is saying to his people, look, I want you to understand when when you when you have when you get paid the first fruits belong to me and when you do that i'm going to bless you look at what he said to them in ezekiel chapter 20 God is talking to the children of Israel and saying, look, you've been scattered among the nations. You have rebelled against me. You've not kept my covenant. You've gone after other gods. You've lived immorally. You have not kept the, 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 the Sabbath. And he just goes on and on. And he says, because of that, you're scattered among the nations. But I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to restore you. And when I restore you, For on my holy mountain, on the mountain high of Israel, says the Lord God, there all the house of Israel, all of them in the land shall serve me. There I will accept them. And there I'll require your offerings and the first fruits of your sacrifices. Together with all your holy things, I will accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you from the countries where you've been scattered. I will be hallowed in you before the Gentiles. He's talking about right now, by the way. This happened in 1948, May 14, 1948, when Israel was restored as a nation again after almost 2,000 years of not being in existence. And God is saying, and when I bring you back, you're going to honor me with the first fruits and with the tithe again because that's required in my kingdom. Look at what he said in Malachi. Malachi gets really... Pointed. Listen to what he says in the book of Malachi. Now, let me tell you about Malachi. Malachi was the last prophet in Scripture to prophesy the coming of Messiah. Malachi lived at the same time as Nehemiah when they rebuilt the city of Jerusalem and, re- and, and rebuilt the temple on the Temple Mount. Malachi was contemporary with them. But he was also the last prophet to write and prophesy about the coming of Messiah. And when you read his whole book, it's all about that. It's about honoring and reverencing the the worship of Almighty God and looking for the coming of Messiah. And as a part of his writing about the coming of Messiah, this is what he said. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Would you say that with me? For I am the Lord. I do not change. Now I want you to pause a moment. And I want you to put your hand over your own heart. And say to your heart. Jesus is the same. He's never changed. changed. 
Therefore, okay, because I don't change. Are you getting it? Therefore, the therefore is therefore because God does not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what shall we return? Here's God's answer. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Here's God's answer. In tithes and offerings. Next slide. You are accursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now dear ones, we have been studying and we're going to continue studying about being the kingdom of God all the way through the rest of this year and even into the 2017 learning how to live in the kingdom of God. That in our kingdom, we have a king of kings and lord of lords that we love and serve. That that there's a culture that goes with our kingdom. That there's a language that goes with our kingdom. That there are laws that go with our kingdom. We're going to learn, and we are learning, how to live in the kingdom of God. But dear ones, one of the first things that we need to learn about living in the kingdom of God is that God has set non-optional principles regarding the fiscal operation of his kingdom. And they're not optional. And when we walk with them, we walk blessed. When we're in violation of them, we come under a curse. And, and some will say to me, well, yeah, but this is all Old Testament, right? I mean, this, all, everything you shared with us is Old Testament. And that doesn't apply to us anymore, does it? Well, let me answer that by quoting Jesus for you. Because Jesus said these words. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. Listen to what he said. He said, not one jot or tittle of my word will pass away. Those are punctuation marks. Now, when Jesus is saying that, the New Testament hasn't been written yet. The only thing that was written was the Old Testament. And then he goes on to say this. He said, and those who teach my word and do it, they will be considered great in my kingdom. But those who do not do it and who distort it, they will be considered least in my kingdom. If you're wondering where I'm quoting from, it's Matthew chapter 5. 
And when you go there, if you've got a red letter Bible, the words are in red. Jesus is saying that, yeah, maybe there may be some ceremonial laws we don't keep anymore because Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial laws. But there was, listen, the Old Testament is just as relevant in our life today as before. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, he said, don't you understand the Old Testament is an example for us that we should follow? Come on, amen? So the Old Testament hasn't stopped being relevant to us. In fact, let's look at further at the words of Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 23. Jesus is teaching. And in Matthew chapter 23, these are the words that he says. And I'm sorry, I don't have these memorized. I got to read them for you, okay? <clears throat> he's talking to his disciples, and he's talking to a multitude that's gathered with him and his disciples. And he's talking to them about the Pharisees. And he's talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. And this is what he says. He says, now, the scribes and Pharisees sit in the seat of Moses. In other words, they have the authority of Moses in your life today. And he says, observe what they tell you. But listen, but don't observe it the way they do. For they observe it to be seen of men. Leaven of the Pharisee. Remember we talked about that a couple of weeks. Okay, the leaven of the Pharisee. We don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to, to be religious. We want to live authentically. Amen? And that's what he's saying to them. He's saying, yeah, observe what they say, but don't do it in the way they do it. Do it with a heart that loves God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you're doing it because you love God. Amen? And then he says this to the Pharisees. He said, oh, this is powerful. He says, you tithe mint and cumin, but you don't do justice and mercy. Then he says this. You must do justice and mercy and the other also. <gasps> did he really say that? He did. Luke, Luke quotes it this way. Luke quotes it like this. I like how Luke records it. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe men and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done Without leaving the others undone. Without leaving the others undone. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Yes, you tithe. You show love. You show mercy. You show grace. You show kindness. You do good works. You do kindness. You do all of those things. And tithe. Because that's the principle of my kingdom. Let's go to another New Testament. I'm wanting you to see it's in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. You go to Philippians chapter 4, and the Apostle Paul, writing to the believers in the city of Philippi, he is praising them, and he promises them, and my God shall supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. 
Huh? No, his riches and glory, right? I was checking to make sure you were listening. One of you caught it. That's scary to me. How many caught it? Five of you. Okay, we're going to pause a moment, nudge your neighbor and say, time to wake up. I know he's talking about tithing, but time to wake up. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Not according to Bank of America, not according to Wells Fargo, not according to the federal government, not according to the governor of Oregon. According to his riches in glory. Amen? He's going to supply our need. Not according to your 401k. His riches in glory. His riches in glory. It's his resource. But he's making that promise to them based on something very important. That is in verse 13. When you read the first 12 verses, you find out he is telling them that because the Philippians have been faithful in tithe and offering. And because they had been faithful in tithe and offering, he could say to them, and listen, I know God is going to meet your needs according to his riches. You're going to live by a divine resource. See, it's not just Old Testament. It's New Testament. It's the principle that we live by in the kingdom of God right now. And why? Well, look at the promised blessings. Your fields and your harvest is going to be bountiful. It's going to overflow. God says to you, I'm going to open the windows of heaven for you. And I'm going to pour out upon you blessings. You won't even have room to contain it. But not only am I going to pour out blessings, you won't have room. Listen, and I will rebuke the devourer. What he is saying to you is, not only am I going to give you an open heaven, I'm going to, I'm going to do the other. I am going to cut off the enemy from stealing and destroying around you. He's not going to be able to do that. And what he's talking about is, look, the refrigerator's not going to break down so often. Your car's not going to break down so often. You're not going to have to go to the doctor as often because I'm going to rebuke the devourer. I'm going to open up a supernatural resource in your life and I'm going to cut off those things that steal your money. That's his promise. See, God... God doesn't establish in your life a boundary without giving you an important reason why, but also giving you a blessing that goes with it. See, that's something that, that we seem to fail to grasp. When God says to us, look, I've got these moral laws. Walk with these moral laws. Live in the boundaries of these moral laws. It's not because he's trying to keep you from having fun. It's because he's wanting you to understand when you violate the moral boundaries, you open yourself up to the devil. Do you find it interesting that those who are faithful to their marriage partners, those who have been virgins until they're married and then are faithful to their marriage partners, they never get STD. It's only the people that don't keep their pants zipped up. 
I don't know about you, but that's not rocket science right there. And in a few weeks when we start talking about boundaries that God set, God doesn't set boundaries to keep us from having fun. He sets boundaries to keep us from being devoured by the enemy so we can live under blessing. He wants us to live under blessing. (laughs) Come on. And it's the same with our finances. He wants us to live under blessing. That's why he does that. So how does this work? So how does this whole thing work? Okay. (laughs) We got to accept God's truth. That he established this principle for your life. We have to come into agreement with Almighty God that, you know what, this is, your, this is your financial principle, and it really is not optional. Now, yes, I can choose. I get to choose. God doesn't take away our right to choose. You can choose to ignore it. You can choose to disobey it. You can choose to say, oh, it's just that preacher wanting to get money. That's not what it is at all. I am teaching you this principle Because I want you to learn what I've learned. We're going to stop right here a second. I'm going to ask Doug and Art to come up here, please. Would you? This is one of our deacons and his wives. Give him a big hand. You guys are so awesome. I love these two. She's a retired teacher. And and uh, and Doug's just tired. <laughs> work out the prison. Yes, I do. I work out there at the prison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> these these guys. And uh, now let me see. Help me remember. You guys, your annual income is. Do I remember right? Two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> well, yeah. No, but we live like it. <laughs> 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 How many kiddos did you raise? Eight. Eight kiddos. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. And when you were raising those eight kiddos, what was your income? Well, less than forty thousand. When yeah. we got them, in fact, it was he 18. was bringing home eight hundred dollars a month. Yeah. No, fifteen. Fifteen hundred. What you brought home? Oh yeah, what I brought home. Yeah. She would know because she took care of it. <laughs> you were raising eight kids. On $800 a month? Well, we started out with only raising two. Okay. But then God told us that he had five others for us. And we set about praying. We said, God, we can't feed and clothe five more kids. And he said, you don't feed and clothe the two you have. I do. So we said, hmm, okay. Yeah. So then you adopted, well, but you adopted, it must have been six more. Five and then... Two Mary. years later, we got married. You got married? Yeah. Okay. Look yeah. at that. Isn't that yeah. special? Wow. Now, okay. So you're, you're raising these eight kids on, on pennies, right? Yep. Yeah. And uh, I got to ask you a question. Where were you in regards to God's principle of finance? We tithe and always, gave. Always. Always. Always tithe. Always dies, yeah. And I remember when we adopted the kids, um, 
Satan made it real clear. Real clear. He said, you're uh, putting out a lot of bucks for these kids. And I said, yeah, I am. And he said, you know, you're giving way more than tenth. Way more than tenth. I said, yeah, I am. And, you know, that's your, that's your offering, your tithe and offering. I said, no, it's not. I said, I'm not walking outside that principle. You know, for one thing, when I adopted those kids, they were no longer orphans. They were my children. Amen. And I owed the, the Lord a tenth. And we continued to give a tenth. And God continued to bless us. Wow. In fact, that's probably, as we were looking back, the biggest miracle. When we got the kids, in order to get them, it cost us, we put out a year's wages. Yes. We had nowhere to come up with that. Nobody gave us money. When we were working with immigration, who those people are very rude, but he said, you can't even survive on what you have. There's no way you're surviving on that because they weren't going to let us go. And we're like, yeah, that's kind of the point. We can't survive. We let God do it. But nobody gave us money, but God provided a way for us to go get those kids. Wow. Because he set it up a couple of years in advance. In um, Isaiah 30, there's a verse that says, you know, when you're walking with God, when you're doing things by his principles, there'll be a voice behind you in your ear, whether you go to the right or to the left, saying, this is the way. And all the way through, you know, it's, it's not ever like it's a miracle, like and somebody gives us, for us, I know he does for other people, an envelope full of money to meet it, but he always provides a way. Always. Okay. He always does. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Wow. God bless you. Give a big hand, will you? <laughs> See, that's, that's the trick the enemy continually wants to pull on you. You can't afford to do this. You can't afford to tithe. And God wants you to understand this is a non-optional principle. That he lays out. And when you choose to obey him, he will make himself real. But you have to be willing to accept the truth. And it's tithe is 10% off the top. Not off what's left over. People say, well, I'm tithing. And they're tithing what they have left over. And so what they're doing is they're giving God a tip, not a tithe. And God appreciates the tip, but he requires the tithe. Are you tracking with me? See, that's the principle. That's the principle. And the other thing, though, you've got to trust God's absolute promise and his ability to keep that promise. When God says, I will do this, if you will obey me, if you will obey me and walk by these guidelines, if you will obey me, if you'll walk inside this boundary, if you'll follow me, I will open up the windows of heaven and I will, I will give you more than you even have room to contain and I will cut off the devour. That's, that's, why, that's why it always keeps filling up the room you got because you're used to having it drain out the bottom and you're always having too much month at the end of the money and you're always trying to figure out how to make it work and God says, I'm going to close that up and then I'm going to open up here and I'm going to pour in even more 
You're getting a double blessing out of that. My, my spiritual father shared with me a story that happened to him when he was pastoring in Oklahoma City. This man began attending his church that owned a junk store. And it, it was a secondhand store. Okay? But it was secondhand junk. <laughs> okay? And, and he, he was visiting the man one day, and the guy was talking about how he just wasn't making it and couldn't make it. And, and um, Pastor Murphy asked him, he said, uh, Do you tithe? He said, No, I can't afford to tithe. He said, You can't afford not to tithe. See, that's the real truth of it. Is that right, Doug and Arda? You can't afford not to tithe. And so the guy, the, the, he, he, started, he started tithing. And uh, as time went on, Pastor Murphy moved from Oklahoma City to Montana, which is where I met him. And uh, two years later, went back down to Oklahoma City to visit family and, and friends down there. And he thought, oh, I'm going to go by and see how he's doing. And went by there. And the man's, the man's secondhand store, now half of it was really good used furniture. And the other half was kind of what it had been before. And the guy says, you know, God's really blessing me. In fact, I'm tithing 20%. Right off the top, 20% goes to God. He said, God's really blessing me. Two years later, Pastor Murphy went back down again to see family and friends. And they thought, I want to go by and see what he said. He went by there, and, and it was closed. And there was a big sign in the window and said, move to such and such an address. And, and Brother Murphy said, I got to thinking, I think that address is right downtown. And he went right downtown. And sure enough, right downtown on one of the four corners, the man had his furniture store now, and it was all new furniture. And he said, Brother Murphy, I'm tithing 50% off the top. He said, I'm giving 50% to God right off the top. And he says, God just keeps blessing me. Long story short, a couple years later, Brother Murphy went down again and he went to see him and he had the entire city block. And he said, brother, I've decided I cannot give God. I'm giving God 75% off the top and I can't outgive God. I cannot give him. I cannot give him. It's not possible. True story. Folks, and, and you may go, well, yeah, but he had a lot of money to start with. No, no, no. Remember? Remember where he started? He was barely getting by with a secondhand junk store. They started with 800 a month. <laughs> Listen, there was, you can't, you, you can't, you, you can't, this principle is so real. And it's just based on this. Can you imagine? Now, imagine this with me, will you please, will you? Can you imagine living with an open heaven over your home and over your family? And God surrounding your home and family so the enemy can no longer devour. That's his promise. That is his promise to you. He wants you to have that blessing in your life. Now, watch this. Watch this. It's also a promise. Remember, it was all of Israel. Remember when, when, Achan, when Achan took the accursed. He didn't just bring a curse on himself. 
it affected the whole nation. And I want to tell you, when you hang on to the accursed, it impacts everything. Everything. Can you imagine what it would be like if everyone at LFC obeyed this principle and tithed? The open heaven that there would be to our families and to this ministry, to our city. Can you even imagine what it would be like? Folks, are, are you aware that the ministry we're doing right now, planting the church in, in, uh, in the Happy Valley, supporting the ministry in Croatia, supporting those two families... Well, the ministry we're doing here in the city, we are doing it right now with less than 40% of the members tithing. What would be different if we had 100% participating in the tithe? Not only would you have an open heaven in your home and your family, you would open the heavens wider to this ministry. How much more could we do for the kingdom? How many more teenagers could we touch? How many more families could we see transformed? How many more miracles and signs and wonders does God have stored up in heaven that he wants to pour on us if we get a wider heaven open to us? See, it's not... It's, it's, it's about God saying, I want to bless you so much you won't even have room to contain it. You're going to have to start giving it away. That's one of the things Wanda and I have learned. It's none of your business how much, but I'm telling you, for years we have given far more than 10%. And we set a standard that this is going to be where our standard of living is at. And if God gives us more than that, we give it away. Because you, you just, the, the joy, that's the joy when God super abounds in your life. You just get to touch so many more people. And it's so fun. I wish you could have been with me in Frankfurt, Germany. About six years ago. I'm waiting for a flight from Frankfurt on to Zagreb, Croatia. And here's about six of our army men. They're standing in the same coffee line waiting for a Starbucks as I am. And I go to them and I go, have you men been over in the Middle East? Yep, we're on our way home. And I, I said, oh, thank you. Thank you for what you do. And I was so glad that I had the money, I could buy their meal for them and say thank you to them. But I only have that resource because Heavenly Father gives that resource to me. Are you understand what I'm saying? When He gives you bounty, you get to bless others. You get to express a thank you in a way. It's like what you have done for Wanda and I over the last month. That the, You cannot imagine how much you have blessed Wanda and I the last 15 days. Your kindness, your love, your expression to us. And I know it is the overflow of what God is doing in your life.
But I want to tell you, I want that overflow to flow even greater in all of our lives. Because Heavenly Father desires that. Listen to me, dear ones. As this world is, is crumbling and it's coming apart at the seams. And the finances of this world is, is, is rocking and reeling. And the whole world is afraid that a world depression is coming. I want you to understand something. God's kingdom never has a depression. You never have to worry about, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Hey, hey, King Jesus, what are we going to do now? And he goes, it's okay, kids. I've got some cows out there. I'm closing with this story, and there's no exaggeration even a little bit in this story. In 47 years of ministry, I have never put a church in debt in a building program. And we have built a lot the years that we've been here. Those of you that have been here with me from day one, Barb and Irene and Adele, how much have we done here? And we haven't borrowed a dime to do it. God has met the need every time. Because God doesn't lack the resource. In Sandpoint, when we went there, we were in a little 40 by 60 building that, that had one little classroom that was smaller than 10 by 10. And that was supposed to be this, the Sunday school classroom. And we went, well, that's not going to work, not if we're, if we're going to grow. And we, we had about 20, 25 people. And... Uh, and so we'd, we'd been there just a few months, and we said, you know what, we need to, we need to build. We're not going to grow if we don't build. And they're looking like, how are we going to build? And I said, you know what, by faith. And they kind of went, yeah, yeah, right, Pastor. I said, no, really, by faith. Long, long story. When we left there, we had, we had built a $500,000 building for $250,000 and paid cash for it. When we left, they appraised the property at a million and a half dollars. Didn't owe a dime on it. Because people began hearing. I, and the day, the day we announced that we were going to, by faith, step out and believe God. Now, we didn't start building until we had some resource. But we built as we had the money. You know what I'm saying? And, and we announced... Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to take a step of faith. And we're just asking you, pray and ask God, how much over the next 90 days can you give? And, and, and we said, just, just pray and do that. Just ask God how much. And just take a, take a step of faith and believe God. I got home that day. I got a phone call from a man I had never met that lived in another state. He lived in South Dakota. And we're in Sandpoint, Idaho. I'd never met this man in my life. And he goes, is this Pastor Hackett? Yes, it is. Pastor Hackett, this, and he told me who he was. And I said, yes. He said, you know, uh, I heard what you're doing there. And my wife and I want to do a thing. Dollar for dollar, we will match what you do up to $60,000. Okay. So I went back to the church and said, look what happened. Look what, look what God did already. And God helped us over the next 90 days to raise $60,000. So I called him back and I said, just want to let you know we did it. He goes, okay, check's in the mail. He calls him back a couple days later and goes, this was really fun. Let's do it again. 
God doesn't have a money problem. And when we walk in obedience to his guidelines, he will bless you beyond what you could imagine. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.